This is the Edumatch Podcast Network, bringing you amazing educators sharing their love of learning one show at a time. The Edumatch Podcast Network is proud to support this show and many others. Find out more at edumatchpn.com. The ideas and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of the individual podcaster. This is TLC Ninja, a podcast for teachers by teachers about classroom innovation. And welcome to episode 105 of TLC Tech Learn Coffee, a proud member of the EduMatch Podcast Network. I'm Lisa Nowakowski, a fifth grade teacher here in South Monterey County in California. And I'm Nancy Minicozzi, an instructional technology coach in Beverly Hills, California. Just a reminder we have a 15 minute format because ain't nobody got time for more than that. No, but we always have time for coffee. And Nancy, I know you love your coffee and you love your espresso. Have you ever tried coffee and tonic? Mm -hmm. It's a thing. It's a summer. It's the perfect summer drink. So you simply pour a little bit of espresso into a glass of ice and tonic water. Sounds good. Maybe I will try it. I've never (laughs) tried it, but you know, it could be a thing. And let us know what you think. So tonight, we're super excited to have our guest, Ben Cogswell, who will be talking to us about remote learning with young learners. So Ben, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Well, I know I, we got 15 minutes, so I got to always be a little brief here, right? But um, it was fun. But when we were, before we were doing this, of, coach, uh, of course, I was known as Coach Ben, and I was on your show a long time ago, and now I may be known as Captain Ben because uh, I was a previous EdTech TOSA for about four years, and now I'm a kindergarten classroom for the last two years in a classroom not too far away from Lisa in Salinas, California, and we are known as the Kinder Rockets. And, nice. Uh, yeah, and so that's what I am, and that's what we do, and I, I navigate this uh, – this time nowadays, I guess, as a kindergarten teacher, as you guys are kind of doing the same thing in your own perspective uh, professions. Thank you. Yeah, and I know um, you were really excited to go back into the kindergarten classroom a couple of years ago and just kind of get back into it again. So we're super excited to have you here, and we know that you have a lot of exciting things going on. So you, you know, teaching young learners has its challenges on a day-to-day basis in the actual classroom. We've all seen the meme that it's like, you know, kindergarten is kind of like herding cats. Um, (laughs) So what challenges um, have you faced with remote learning and your kindergartners? Well, you know, it's, it's just really interesting because, um, I just feel like being in a Google Meet with kindergartners is really not that different of being in a classroom. I'm like, okay, excuse me, please don't interrupt me. Excuse me, one person talking at a time, right? Let's make <laughs> sure we're taking turns, you know, make sure you're sitting nicely and listening. Um, and so I think it's, uh, it's, it's definitely very challenging, as you know, I, or, or as you can imagine, kindergartners is, is sometimes like hurting class, but it's also, you know, just seeing the joy on their faces and the, and the smiles every day. And, and sometimes just those little, those little cute things that they share, you know, it's, it's definitely very cute. And just for example, I was doing, I did a seesaw activity on butterflies for my students. I got a random response about uh, telling me, uh, we're talking about caterpillars and located said, teacher, remember to uh, don't eat slugs. They're gross. <laughs> not necessarily right on the target, but it was so cute. How could you not love that? Don't eat slugs. It's gross. That's lifetime advice for you. It really is. It, very solid advice from a kindergartner. So hopefully our listeners will take, you know, that into consideration as well. Don't eat slugs. <laughs> so 
you were talking a little bit about like what is working well and that you get these yeah. you know, great responses. You know, what else is really working well for you right now? I just think a lot of it is just it goes back to what we do in the classroom. I feel like there's a lot of routines that I've created both online and with the, the, my consistency of my classwork, how much I have, when it happens, how often it happens. And so I really feel like, you know, that consistency has helped me, hopefully in both the parents um, as well, being able to feel like they're uh, being able to be successful. And so I think that that communication and, and just kind of, uh, I also think a big thing that's helped me is just feeling like, you know, all the kids have one place to go and the parents have one place to go. I mean, trying to minimize the amount of information and clicks that, that people have to access information. And I definitely think that has helped some of my kids be successful um, overall, as they can be in this time. Well, that's great to hear. So, so I'm, what I'm hearing is that some of your adaptations is to make sure that everything is easily accessible for, I want to say your students, but it really it's more for the parents because I'm imagining that the, the parents are really helping the students to get online and, and to find uh, the resources and the activities that they need to do. Um, I, do you have any other um, adaptations that you've needed to, to do um, that you haven't already talked about? Well, I pretty much, you know, honestly, I just, I got to say, I love Seesaw, shout out to Seesaw, but I pretty much flipped all of my lessons. And so every single kind of lesson that I have in Seesaw either has some modeling uh, or some direct instruction or some instruction of some kind, but also um, some instruction on how to complete the activity. And so it definitely takes a lot of time to build these activities, um, but uh, it's definitely been rewarding hearing parents that are saying, you know, you know, my kid didn't get it the first time, but they could just watch you a few times over and over and over and over. And so, uh you know, uh, definitely um, it's helped just kind of flipping the classroom for sure. Awesome. So your parents, it sounds like have had a, an overall um, positive response to, you know, flipping the classroom and just, you know, we had to change everything on a dime. Um, you know, so it sounds like your parents have been, you know, really um, positive uh, about all of the changes. Um, anything else that they've had to say about it? I mean, overall, I felt like they've been, you know, pretty supportive and, and they've been pr pretty positive. It is a little challenging because my Spanish is limited. And of course, a lot of my parents is English isn't limited. And so, um, um, you know, we do our best to communicate with each other. And, uh, but, um, other than that, you know, the feedback has, has I feel like the feedback is in uh, the completion rates and the students kind of doing their work and being focused and, and being there every day. You know, that's how I know the parents are, are involved and invested because their kids are showing up uh, overall most of the time and they're, and they're doing a lot of their work. So, um, you know, it's, it's just amazing hearing again that kids working with parents and the seesaw activities where you can hear them working together. Some kids do it by themselves, of course, but just the, the community that's happening and the learning that can still take place. Oh, I love that they're doing some of the work together and they're still getting some of that collaboration uh, time in because um, I know that's a that's a big concern for a lot of us that, you know, the kids, we've built these cultures of having collaboration and working together and now, you know, everybody's kind of in isolation doing their own thing. Um, so that that's super awesome to hear. Um, so you talked a little bit about some of the best practices um, you know, having those expectations and having the students, you know, sit and not, not talk over one another, <laughs> you know, and kindergartners, you know, they, they, you know, they, they often have stories to share with you. Um, so what are some other, uh, best practices that teachers can, um, you know, put into their practice, uh, regardless of the age levels? I feel like as much as we can get kids involved on the other side of the screen. So what I say by that is, I mean, if I'm a high school teacher now is the perfect time for sketch noting, right? I don't think everything we do with our students has to be all right. Let's do a collaborative 
you know, Google slide. That's awesome to do. I think when students are asynchronously working together and even synchronously working together, but really kind of, especially with those younger kids, you know, let's get them drawing, let's get them sketching, let's get them writing, let's get them doodling. Um, because I mean, I just, I think about we're competing against YouTube, right? These kids are on their devices watching YouTube. And then we sit there and we're like this floating head and we're like, you know, hey, I'm interesting, I'm interesting, right? Like, look at me. And if we're just having the kids listening, it's really, I feel like, hard for sometimes them to engage in there. And that's why I feel like, um, you know, digital is good, but this is also a really time to push some of that analog, which is uh, completely different than you might have heard me if you would have had me two months ago, right? I kind of the opposite. We have a lot of analog, let's put digital, but, you know, we got to get those kids, those hands-on things. So again, the older kids, get them writing, get them drawing, you know, get them doing something off the screen. Um, where they can process the information that you're sharing with them. That's great. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. Like we, we worry so much about them uh, having, you know, too much screen time and whatnot. Um, just being able to, um, you know, allow the students to have some of that analog time, I think is fantastic. I um, had an activity last week where I challenged the kids to make their own Rube Goldberg uh, machine, whatever it was. And one student who rarely comes, you know, she never comes to class and she rarely does the, the classwork. Like that was one thing that she, she like really gravitated towards. And her mother had sent me a video. It was like, yeah, she did it. Check it out. And it took her a really long time to get it right. So I think some of those things that I think you're absolutely right. They are just loving it. And I love the idea of sketch noting with the older kids as well. Um, so um, I forgot where I'm at now. Here we are. Um, so how can um, educators prepare for a new year? We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we all have our best guess of what's going to happen. Um, but, you know, how can we kind of prepare without having some of these routines in place? So I know a lot of educators are uh, concerned about that. Of You know, we don't have those connections. We don't have those relationships with kids. So how can we put some of these routines in place if we are at least partially um, online next year? I think a lot of it, it starts with thinking about like what tool, how many tools are we using? If we're a school, can we get down to maybe one or two core tools that we're really using on, on computers and technology, right? Um, because it's just, I think students with multiple kids at schools, if they have one, uh, one or two or even, you know, a, a few more, but a minimal amount of tools to learn, I think that's important. I think getting some things like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a Google site and I'm going to start to get some online resources out for parents and for students right now, you know. Who knows what it's going to look like, but whether I, I can't believe like my site was very minimal last year, but now I have I have sources that parents can go to whether they're at home, you know, doing remote learning or whether they just want some extra uh, uh, resources for their kids. And so start building some of those uh, tools where kids can get access to resources sources now online, but also start thinking about how you can really make your 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 learning engaging. I think how I can start to cross what I'm doing at school with what I'm doing at home. For example, like. Uh, easy things. If I got like sock puppets, you know, if I like get a lot of puppets, maybe I start working with my kids and, and sock puppets. Um, and so uh, like they can bring a sock puppet home. I can have a puppet at school. How can we bridge the gap? You know, whether it's studying seeds in school and getting in home and to look at nature. And so, um, you know, I just think starting to build some of those routines and thinking about how you can really bridge the gap with kids learning possibly at home and school even more so. I, that's such great advice. I love the idea of just starting to build and curate uh, resources. I, you know, automatically my mind goes to math. 
because that's where I go, uh, you know, just kind of curating some of those resources to help, you know, students and parents kind of navigate all of this along because this is all new for, you know, all of us. And, you know, shout out to the parents who are just kind of taking it in stride too. Um, and yeah, they will be useful, you know, no matter where we are next year. So whether we're using those resources uh, virtually with parents or we're in the classroom full time, like we need those resources. So I think that's great. Um, do you have any other words of wisdom for our listeners? I just feel like we all just need to be patient with ourselves, you know, um, no matter where you're at, I think this is a big challenge and big change for all of us. And I think that people that are patient and persistent and just keep moving forward and, and thinking about what we can do and what we, not what we can't do, you know, because if we, if I filled a jar of the things I can't do, man, it would be overflowing. But if we start to just chip away at those things that we can do, then maybe our jar will be full, be full before we know it. And, you know, we can really start to make some change uh, in the world around us. So that would be my advice. That's so awesome. Just kind of focus on what we can do. I love that. Um, so I would like to thank our listeners um, for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment to let us know. T uh, today our comment question is, what successes have you had with remote learning? And I love that question because we're focusing on what went well and not thinking about what, what we can't do and what didn't go so well. Um, so please don't forget to subscribe to hear more about easy ways for you to innovate in your classroom. Please help other people find us by rating and leaving a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Remember, we're always looking for guests to share the great things they're doing in their classrooms. So if you know someone who fits the bill, or if you'd like to be a guest yourself, please visit tlc.ninja and complete the contact form to let us know. Thanks.